0: This is the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show.
1: All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. My name is Tabitha Thomas. And if this is your first time on the podcast, I want to encourage you to go and hit that subscribe button so that you can get all of our interviews with all of the wonderful agency owners from around the globe. Uh, And also, while you're there, drop me a review. I would love to hear what you think about the podcast and how it's helping you in your business. So today I have with me Nicholas Kirchner. Nicholas is the president and CEO, or I'm sorry, co-owner of Margle Media, a fast-growing digital growth agency, and he is the founder of the Scaling Bigger for Agencies program. Nicholas started his first agency at the age of 18, Pixelus, and later sold it at the age of 21. He has talked about paid social media on many stages, including thought leadership conferences, such as the Renaissance Weekend, and the guest lecturer at business schools, such as the University of Southern California. He also serves as one of the lead instructors in Ty Lopez's social media and e-commerce educational programs, who's a top five business Social media influencer, as named by Forbes, Nicholas. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having
0: me. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. thrilled to
1: have you, especially somebody that's in Ty Lopez's thing. That's kind of a big deal, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It all came full circle for me, for sure, and. Uh, as we dive into the story, maybe we'll touch on that. Yes.
1: But. So the way I always love starting these podcasts and what I absolutely love about doing podcasts is it allows me the opportunity to tell the story of all these different entrepreneurs. And and I was talking earlier with somebody about how every a lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people have this mindset that you have to have something in your DNA that makes you an entrepreneur. And that couldn't be further from the truth at all, because people come from all walks of life, um, to become entrepreneurs and to, you know, own their own business and do their own thing. So that's one of the things that I love hearing is people's stories. So how did you at the age of 18 start your own agency? How did that happen?
0: Yeah. So, uh, I was 17 and in high school for the longest time I was, uh, training with a mentor who was in the military. I thought I was going to be a Navy SEAL. That was like, I was dead set on that. So, uh, for three years in high school, um, that was kind of the path I thought I was going to pursue. And then um, I started seeing ads online, you know, making money online. I was just trying to pick up some extra money um, in high school. So one of the first things I did was I flipped sneakers. So in Facebook groups, uh, Jordan Retros, I would go to uh, I live in Milwaukee and there's some sketchy parts of Milwaukee, we'll say. (laughs) So I was driving like an hour from Racine, where I lived at the time, to Milwaukee, to these sketchy neighborhoods to pick up used Jordans, and then I would resell them in Facebook groups, you know, the next day. And I was making maybe 50 to 100 bucks a pair, um, depending on what it was. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm technically making money online. That's pretty cool. But um, (laughs) you know, I don't want to have to go pick up the shoes and do all this stuff. So what can I do to make money online that I don't have to have that, uh, more manual component of it, if you will. So that's when I started poking around in Forex trading, affiliate marketing, uh, Shopify, drop shipping, all kinds of different business models. And, uh, this is when I went to, um, my first year of college, right at, at the start there. And, uh, Kind of tying back to what you said in Ty Lopez, I remember just sitting on my parents' living room floor and with a yellow legal pad, watching webinar after webinar because back then he would do a lot of the live webinars every day.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: I could never afford his paid stuff. You know, it was a few grand at the time. And but I would just try and learn everything I could for free and, and go from there. So um, went to college, and after the first week, I remember calling my parents. I was like, "Hey, I'm dropping out of school. I'm going to do this whole <laughs> online business thing." I know this is what I want to do, and uh, throughout that year that I did stay in college, um, and then I dropped out thereafter, I'd crushed over 400 books in that time period because Ty was like, oh, I read a book a day, blah, 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 and I was sitting there like, I don't really think that's possible, and then I started doing it, and I was the kid at uh, college that had his own library cart waiting for me of books I'd ordered in from other libraries, and uh carrying them back to my dorm and i would just sit there and read and skip class and um you know that's really where i got some of my initial marketing chops if you will is reading marketing sales branding persuasion everything i could get my hands on and uh no joke i was probably reading over eight hours a day um of my own information and then messing around with all these other business models online uh, after i was done reading them so uh Fast forward a little bit, I saw success with none of those business models cause I was trying to do way too many things at once. <laughs> and you know, I kind of was, I wasn't, I didn't quite take it public, but I, you know, those people who have like eight different titles in their bio, like yep. CEO at all these companies. And I'm like, okay, so that's keyword for you make no money. Cause I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so then I was like, all right, well, what's a combination of all these different things I've been trying that, um, you know, doesn't require a lot of capital to start. Cause I was super broke and, uh, you know, that's when it was services. And that's kind of about the time that people started releasing, um, you know, programs on how to start marketing agencies, not like it is now, but, uh, you know, this was three and a half, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I dropped out of school and then I, um, was uh, I I just moved actually because my girlfriend at the time lived uh, in a different city. So I moved and that's when I was working in a telemarketing job for making like 29,000 bucks a year, something like that. And that's uh, when
1: you learn real quick. This is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. (laughs) Oh
0: Yeah. I mean, it was like putting a cheese grater against your forehead for eight hours a day.
1: I used to work at Wells Fargo uh, Financial. And so I, 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 That's about the same thing to me. I mean, I was calling everybody, trying to get them to redo their loans, it was awful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, this is atrocious. I was selling fiber optic cables to business owners. So at least I was getting comfortable with sales um, in one of the most brutal industries and learning how to talk and sell to business owners. So that was a good uh, trial run. And you probably
1: learned to grow some really thick skin during all that too. Oh, for sure,
0: for sure, so it was good. So uh, every morning I would wake up and I'm just like I gotta get out of this, and I don't think I would have went as fast as I did if I didn't hate it as much as I did. But like it was just unrelenting, like I have to do something else. So that was, um, you know, kind of the point for me where I was like, all right, I'm gonna go all in on one idea and try and start um, this digital agency. And so you know, throughout my Shopify and affiliate marketing experiences and failed tests, you know, I had learned how to do the technical aspect of all these things. I just didn't have the capital um, or enough of it to really grow something significant. Um, So after that nine to five job, I would go to every networking event locally I could find in the city for for business owners. And so, you know, I launched a website, got business cards, kind of like the you know, the bare minimum to look credible, at least, you know, I people were like, Oh, you don't need that stuff. I actually go the opposite way. And I'm like, you feel so much more comfortable if you at least have your basics covered. Um, yes. You know, don't spend a ton of time on it and overthink it, but at least, you know, look like you have some of your stuff together.
1: Yeah. If you're going so to be I, selling digital services, have a digital something out there.
0: <laughs> please. Otherwise they will ask. Um, I, you know, people say they don't ask. Sure. There's people who don't, but there's an equal number who do. And yeah. it's a really awkward position to be in. But uh, so I went to these networking events after work acting like this is what I did full time. Um, you know, and I was 18 at the time. So these business owners, you know, they'd be like mixers and happy hours. And I'm just there like, dear God, don't ID me. Cause like, you know, otherwise they're going to be like, who is this guy who's 18, wants me to trust him with his money. <laughs> so it was a really awkward time that I kind of just, um uh, you know, didn't care. I was just like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go after it. And you know, if it, if it doesn't work out, oh, well. Um,
1: Love it. I think that's what youth has for you. That's what youth has going for them. You don't care. You just go out there and do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And it and it worked. Um, so I remember getting my first client in legal services, and um, I couldn't believe when he actually said, you know, he wanted to move forward, and he wrote me a check, and you know, I'm driving away like the happiest you know person yeah. ever. Um, it was a thousand bucks a month just for Facebook ads. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I just created a thousand dollars out of nothing, which was after taxes, half of what I was making in a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, at the job I hated. So uh, that that's kind of where everything changed for me and uh, grew from there.
1: I love it. I love that story. And I could tell you're one of those people that was just a go getter from the beginning. And I love the fact that you were going to go to the Navy. I love that because that yeah. was. That was one of my options, too. I wanted to be an underwater welder, as weird as that is.
0: No, that's a cool job. (laughs) (laughs) Until you
1: look at the life expectancy, and it's like 32.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For me, it was, I think, I just realized if I was any part interested in something else, um, that training so hard, I would quit and say I have a plan B. Whereas with business, I, I didn't really have a plan B. I mean, I dropped out of school. I was the kid, I was the last person people thought would drop out of school, you know, from, yeah. from high school and whatnot, so. I'm,
1: I'm curious how that conversation with mom and dad went.
0: <laughs> it was stick it out for a year. Um, you know, you don't know what you don't know yet. Uh, and, true. But uh, I did know when I went to uh, this exploratory fair for different majors in college, mm-hmm and they had like uh, just business management, finance, sales, marketing, all the different majors with some professors. They had books out on the table. And I'm looking down at these books and I'm like, when you guys cover this material, and they're like junior, senior year, three, 400 level classes. And I had already read, I would say three quarters of the books that were sitting on the table. And, um, you know, like the college textbooks, not so much, but any like yeah. book you would see for sale on Amazon that's popular in the entrepreneurship or business space. I had I'd read. And uh, I was like, yeah, so I'm gonna wait three years to learn something I already know. And <laughs> and this just moves too slow for me. And yeah. so I'm pretty passionate on the subject of, you know, higher education for certain yeah. uh, professions and uh, that's something I like to talk about, too, when that gets brought Well, they always up. say
1: readers are leaders, and I believe mm-hmm. it. So sure. so tell me about Margle Media now. So what kind of services do you guys provide there?
0: Mm-hmm. So we do everything from full creative services. So uh, video production, design, um, brand design, uh, copywriting. Uh, I, I like to say we're full service in the digital space uh, mm-hmm. to an extent. So everything from... SEO to web. Um, and then I bring the paid media background, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, LinkedIn ads. So So it's
1: really do it all nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we do, um, which has been interesting because at my first agency, I just did paid, paid social media work. Mm -hmm. Um, so now being able to add on the creative piece and, um, being that, you know, nowadays, in the digital space a lot of people have good media buyers Mm -hmm. but the creative is kind of an afterthought where we're seeing now that uh, good media buying is more common now it really comes down to creative being that x factor that's setting your campaigns apart from from others
1: so very true i love that that video background type stuff that's i worked for a video production house so that makes me super excited to hear you doing all of that so um when you're pitching those kind of services to clients, are you pitching the entire gambit of things or are you just doing like one thing at a time?
0: So usually it depends on the company, usually bigger brands, um, bigger CPG brands or whatnot, they usually are putting out like a request for proposal and they're Mm -hmm. like, hey, we need, um, you know, brand design, or we're looking for paid media here or PR or something like that. So it's usually more specific with them. Mm -hmm. Whereas with smaller brands or startups, they're more or less, hey, what do you do? How can you help us? And that's a lot easier to get different pieces of the pie. Whereas big established companies have an agency of record or they have 10 different agencies, Mm -hmm. you know, one for PR, one for social, one for whatever. Um, So that kind of, that's kind of how it shakes out.
1: Gotcha. So I'm sure it's changed over the years. So when you first started, you know, we're talking about going out to the business events, getting clients that way. So how did it evolve from doing that to what it is now? Like, how are you going out and finding clients now?
0: Yeah, so back then it was the in person, then I got really well known in some Facebook groups, then I had tons of people referring me. So to be honest, in the first agency, I didn't have to, um, keep going to those events or whatnot. So much of it was word of mouth, which is a beautiful thing, um, just because of the results. And Mm -hmm. that was a good testament to what I was doing. And um, I did a little bit of paid ad work for lead generation there. Uh, Nowadays, it's more or less, we do still a lot of in-person, but now we have a sales team. You know, So we're hitting networking events really hard. Um, We've ramped up paid media spending quite a bit. So building out our own sales funnels there. Um, not too much email marketing or anything like that it's primarily ads and then the the in-person networking another thing that's really popular for us is we basically have a team of affiliates who work for large cpg brands that are like oh i know vp of marketing here so here's an introduction and then you know they get a cut of that so depending on their company's rules and what they can take and what they can't take. Cause there's some of that too. But um, to get into big CPG brands, a lot of it is just existing relationships that people have because yeah. you know uh, for business that like the biggest agencies are bidding on, usually it's two buddies who went to high school together. One of them's VP here. One of them owns agency that's been around for 50 years over here. And they're like, oh, we're going to stay with them because that's my boy. And we've done that for 50 years, you know, so it's it's kind of hard to break into those those larger brands sometimes.
1: Yeah. When there's trust established, that's very hard to break into. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So uh, what was your biggest hurdle when you first started the the agency that you're in now? What was what was the biggest hurdle and how'd you overcome it?
0: Yeah. So with the, are you talking in the one that I sold or the the one I'm at now?
1: How about we talk about both? <laughs> sure.
0: So the one that I sold, I found that I was getting stuck around twenty five, thirty thousand 30,000 a month.
1: okay. And
0: that's really where I had some freelancers I was working with outsourcing some of the work too. But a lot of it was still very reliant on me. Whereas now I'm so... Um, reliant on the expertise and the work that my team does and so just that shift of being able to truly remove yourself is one that is often talked about that you need to delegate and you need to do this but it's kind of underplayed as far as how much work it actually takes to get to that point mm. so documenting every process making sure they're trained appropriately and I in the first business I was scared to fully step away because it's yeah. like you work so hard for the business you have and if someone screws it up, it's still on you. You're the one who has to pay the bills. You're the one who doesn't have the revenue now. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a risky thing, but I'm definitely now, if it's 80% is good, that's yeah. perfectly fine.
1: Um, I love it. I love yeah. it. So how did you set up? How did you make that switch from the, the other agency to this one to being able to let go of some of those things? Because uh, for me, it's hard for me to let go of things because I'm like, I know how to do it. I can do it easily. I can do it quickly. It take me longer to teach somebody else to do it. That kind of yeah. thing. And that's my biggest downfall probably. <laughs>
0: Right. I think it was back to, I was like proud of doing all the work myself and then realizing how no one really built a big company by doing all the work themselves. So it's not really something to be proud of. Yeah. I feel like it was a mental block for me in that regard. And also, yeah, you could do it faster, but if you look how, like take how many times you have to complete that task and you're like, okay, well I can do it in an hour, but it takes me three hours to train. So it's like Let me spend those three hours training because I know I'm going to have three more instances at least that I have to do this. So at a certain point, the upfront investment you're putting in training, uh, you know, far exceeds or becomes more efficient than you doing it yourself every single time. So I think it's just a mental shift there and actually doing it. You can't just think it. You got to at a certain point, let it go. And if you get burned, dial it back, see what you did wrong and, and try again. I mean, that's... That's business.
1: (laughs) I like that you said that when you, when you get burned, not if you get burned,
0: (laughs) when it it will happen, something will get messed up. And it's so easy to, in this space in particular, like you see one tweet, just ruining companies' reputations, or it's very touchy. And um, that's part of the risk of being in business. And you can't be Mm -hmm. scared of those things. It's hard yeah. not to be, easier said than done.
1: Yes, but. very much so. I, but I like I have this whole theory of fail and fail often, but only fail the same time, one time. You only do it once, you learn from it and move on, but don't be afraid to fail.
0: Yeah, and-, and so
1: much from it.
0: Right, and SOPs really do take some of that risk out of the equation. If you're taking your time to actually document what needs to be done, what are those precautions, what is the review system, you mm-hmm. get rid of a lot of those errors. Whereas if you just, Put it off on someone and undermanage someone, where you're like, "Oh, just do it,"
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then you're not happy with the result. As the manager or the owner, you still have to be accountable for that because you didn't really review it. So there's yeah. there's definitely a bounce. You can overmanage or you can undermanage and just push it off your plate, and then it's a poor result too. So
1: true. So how big is the agency that you've built now? How many people do you have working for you with you to get where you are now?
0: Mm-hmm. So we have 19 full time in house. Um, we are about 20 days away from moving into a new office that definitely isn't, uh, right now it's a very startup vibe office where it's (laughs) like, uh, purple doors and old wood and doesn't look visually appealing. So when you're bringing in those clients that are paying a lot of money, you're kind of like, well, this place doesn't look great, but I promise we're moving. And then, but now it looks more, uh, Google, if you will, um, and you know, Uh, modern and and that so
1: and I um, am a little bit envious of the fact that you guys are all in one building and together because you know our team we're all scattered we all work from home we all work remotely which is great but there is something to be said about being able to come together in one building and be able to work together so that's
0: yeah and it I mean I'm a huge work from home person I did for a long time the first Mm -hmm. business was entirely remote um, with me and the freelancers and I loved that so I kind of miss that now but it is nice and we can run very fast by just, I need to walk over to this person's office and say, hey, you know, let's meet on this right now, get something done. We don't have to schedule a Zoom or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that is nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it comes with its own challenges. You know, It's like, now you have a lot of people to manage in one place. And now there's kind of an element of if you're not there uh, not everyone is used to communicating remotely, if you will, and being efficient in that way as yeah. much as you have to be. And yeah,
1: you know, if it takes you're 100%, discipline to be yeah. able to work remotely. So much discipline.
0: It does. It does. Yes.
1: So how do you guys keep customers coming back to you time and time again?
0: Yeah. So we definitely put a lot of focus on retention because it's, especially with bigger companies, it's so hard to get new business, or it takes so long. It's not necessarily extremely difficult, but it takes forever. Like these are six month to a year sales cycles, depending on how big the deal is. So keeping them is very important. Um, But we have a dedicated account management team. So their only task is to nurture existing relationships with customers. They do nothing else. um, Making sure that everything like, I think common traps that people fall into is they either over communicate with the client. So it's a nuisance. They under communicate with the client. So they're like, where the hell is my money going? Mm -hmm. Um, And then just not being efficient and things get missed or there's like moments of friction with clients that I found over time where, you know, you both get on the phone. Um, last call you both said you were going to do something those things didn't get done and then you're in the same spot and they're like well why isn't this done and it's just that weird like oh well I thought that you were gonna do this and you know those are the where the relationship breaks down uh-huh. so making sure someone there's a one point of contact that all the communication flows through from both sides and they're kind of the broker mm-hmm. um, we find that's the that's the most important piece and how do we keep them coming back I mean you got to perform
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, a lot of what we do and we say growth agency, it's kind of performance marketing in general. You know, we by no means guarantee results, but we, I mean, we're measured on them. You know what I mean? People aren't going to pay you for, for nothing. It's interesting how much money the big brands will spend without really knowing where it go the money goes. Yeah, that's pretty common. But smaller brands, uh, definitely every dollar counts.
1: So I, I want to hit on that a little bit. So you were talking earlier about you know just starting your agency. Your first month, you had a thousand dollars a month, and that was a big deal then. What does it look like now? What is a big deal to you now in the agency where you're at now?
0: Um, I would say something a retainer like fifteen twenty thousand a month is a very solid like base client. Good. Um, our highest retainer is fifty thousand a month right now, um, and uh, we—that's all video content for them. So, you know, X pieces a month. Yeah. Um, really growing, Instagram, Facebook, organically. Um, yeah. So that's where a but lot of. Do you guys
1: of... have an in-house production crew, or do you guys do a lot of um, freelancers?
0: So it's a, it's a mix of both, right? We have projects. We used to be very much all in-house. Uh-huh. So we used to have way more employees. And then, you know, you learn that uh, it might be more efficient to farm some of it out. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that's the route that that we went. So we do have the capabilities in-house, but it's it's all dependent on bandwidth, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and then when you have that many employees and all of a sudden you lose one of the clients and now you got to keep these employees, but you don't have the ink. I've been there, done that, know how that
0: they, feels. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. And it's like, all right, we have... You know, we're burning fifteen, twenty thousand a month in payroll here, um, but there's not, you know, a hundred thousand dollar video that needs to be made every single month. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely a balance. And
1: yes, it is. You know, that's why I was I've, kind of curious. I'm like, because it because it is a very very hard thing to balance because you've got oh, you yeah, I mean, constant video production work coming in.
0: Yeah, I mean, super tough choices, um, and I think that's one of the hardest parts about owning a business is making those calls of. You know, hiring, hiring's is easy. Firing is hard um, yep. in the sense of emotions mm-hmm. and, you know, I won't lie. We've taken our fair share of heat for it and it's just like, it's one of those things. It's a necessary evil, you know, no one likes it, but um, it, it has to happen. And, um, you know, we've even had talent not apply because they were scared of, you know, yeah. of that. And that's one of the things of like a startup and growing quickly and whatever, it's not super clean. It's kind of messy sometimes. And, uh, you know, I think you know that though, if you're coming to work at a startup, that it's not going to be your corporate Mm. America, you're safe as long as you perform okay type deal. You know, we're definitely looking for the top tier talent that is going to get the results. Well, and
1: those kind of people that are after that kind of vibe don't care about the, you know what I mean? The, 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 the environment that they're working in, the creative atmosphere is more important to them than the corporate vibe. So. Right. Yes. All right. So the very last question that I love asking, cause we have a, a book club within us that we re- reread a book a month. What are you currently reading right now?
0: So I conveniently brought it right here. I'm reading <laughs> <laughs> uh, blitz scaling. Okay. Um, and uh, the foreword is by Bill Gates. Um, It's by Reid Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn, and it's basically uh, the lightning-fast path to building massively valuable companies. So it talks about that messy growth and how your roles and your employees' roles change as you grow Mm -hmm. and being willing to go really fast for the sake of going fast and acquiring market share and fixing the issues later and you see it with a lot of tech companies. And so I'm interested to get through the whole thing and see what my takeaways are. But uh, yeah, yeah well, I've, heard, I've heard good things.
1: Oh, good, good. Well, thanks for sharing that with me. We're always looking for new things to read. So I always like asking people that question because leaders are readers. So more than likely, everyone is reading something right now. So Very,
0: very true, very true. <laughs> no, there's so many books that I would say have contributed to Is there one book
1: in particular that you just like, that's the one that just changed everything for you Mm. for a few?
0: I mean, maybe very early on. I love how to win friends and influence people.
1: Uh That's always top of the list. (laughs) So
0: common, just how to get people to like you. Um, I love uh, Elon Musk's autobiography. By Oh yeah? Not autobiography autobiography, <laughs> biography, I don't know, by Ashley Vance. So when someone else writes it for you. Um,
1: yeah. I was going to say, when you read 300 in a year, I can't it's, imagine remembering. <laughs>
0: it's, it's hard. I mean, yeah, and you just have like one thing that you take away and implement. I mean, I've probably missed so much uh, going through that many, but, you
1: know. So uh, is there any advice you would give to somebody who is just starting out a social media agency um, that you kind of wish that you had when you started?
0: don't try and do everything yourself. It's a grave mistake that you'll, you will pay for at some point if you're trying to grow. And I think it's very important that you establish what you're setting out to do. Are you in this for a lifestyle business? Cause you can make 10 grand a month and make 10 grand a month and support a family and, and do that thing. Or you can make the decision to go all in and you're like, no, I'm going to grow this thing. I want a big team, you know, I want to work with bigger clientele, and that's a key decision you have to make because it's two very different. A lot more is required for sure on the on the all in route, and it's a lot more risk. Whereas you know you can make a very comfortable living. So just set out, and after you have a few clients under your belt, don't spend time being you know before you have sales being like, well, do I want to be huge or do I want to only make fifteen thousand a month? There's too much pondering in the beginning. So I said, don't spend a lot of time on the website or your brand design or anything like that. Just get out and sell. Yeah. That was one of the best things for me because I started seeing revenue, saved a bunch of money. You know, taking risks becomes much easier when the financial piece is off your back, you know, that you have to make money. Your decision-making becomes very different.
1: Very true. Very true. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've enjoyed every minute of this and we'll see you guys next time.
0: Thanks. You've been listening to the Digital Agency Insiders podcast. For more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency, make sure to visit digitalagencyinsiders.com.